This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050, WTKA online at WTK.com. Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Weintraub on the other side and joining us as they do every single Thursday to give us the perspective from the blogosphere on the maze and blue. Our good friends from the MGO blog atmosphere, the MGO blog environment, the MGO blog crew, starting with the man who started it all at MGO blog, Brian Cook. Brian, good morning. How are you? I'm well. Glad that you could join us. And the number two over at MGO blog, Seth Fisher. How are you? I'm great. I've rediscovered sleep. All right. I hear you. That's a great thing about this time of year, right? You're able to get a little more sleep. And then, um, I don't know, is this like, you know, our version of Devin Gardner now? And folks, have I, I am it's Devin Gardner, screen, but I'm talking about Craig Gross channeling his, his Devin Gardner. Look, DG was wondering if his style was going to rub off on someone. The it Devin Gardner style rubbing off on Craig Ross. I'm walking around town wearing the stupidest hat I can find. <laughs> and so, and so I'm channeling, channeling my inner Devin. Huh? Hey, man. Uh, you, you, you can't credit that style of Devin Gardner. That's Eddie Murphy from Coming to America. <laughs> okay, so just as good. But uh, the, uh, I have to say, we were talking off the air, Sam, about how difficult it is to do your role or I, Ira's role in these things because to some extent, it's like herding cats. And Brian does a, a, a pretty good job, a very good job, actually, on – on uh, Sunday and, and Dave Nasternak in his hockey broadcast with Alex Drain is doing pretty well. But, but what you and I would do is genius. And two, and two weeks ago, Brian brought up this absolutely idiotic point about, <laughs> uh, about, uh, I've never heard Brian called idiotic on this show. No, I'm not calling no. Brian. It's gone the other Brian way. Is a, <laughs> Brian is a genius in my mind, but this point was about, the gastronomic habits of old world crocodiles. Now I cannot tell Wait, you what the gastronomic. He no, 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 was no, no, talking no. about. No, 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 Craig, you are the one talking about. No, old it was world Brian. Crocodiles. He was I talking swear about it was you the and not Brian. <laughs> it was Brian talking about the gastronomic habits of old world. And then last week, when you were gone, Sam, he tried to bring up this story about this guy who inherited Bigfoot, a Bigfoot head. And it had it in his freezer since 1953. And so I'm thinking, uh, I'm not sure how that's relevant to football, but it is relevant to a game that Brian always likes to play when you go into his house. You go to his house and you can't get in unless you say, name three people who've never been in my kitchen. <laughs> and, you know, and so I would generally think that would be either Trotsky or Tofram Lysenko or Rudolph Virchow. But if you got very clever and said, hey, I'll bet Bigfoot has never been in Brian's kitchen, that would be a mistake because he'd open up the freezer. <laughs> so that's it. But, 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 uh, <laughs> your hair, Devin Gardner, is weird, man. <laughs> uh, I, I, Craig, I, I, you couldn't have made it as a car salesman, man, because you, you, people come in to buy a car, you sell them a toaster. I just, I'm, I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> I was trying to figure out where where all that came from, but I'm sure when I go back and I watch this over again, I'll figure it out. I'll you will. Figure it out. You will. You'll figure out how a Bigfoot head being in your freezer since 1953 is exactly like Michigan football and the people have never been in your I thought maybe there was going to be some weird Wisconsin Jeffrey Dahmer reference in there. <laughs> we were going we to no. get to the Badgers somehow, some way. Yeah. 
Uh, but we never got there. We never got there. We will talk about the Big Ten West and some of their hirings coming up because uh, I thought that's maybe where you were going with that. But let's start. Yeah, first. I was. <laughs> let's start first with Michigan football. And guys, we've had a little more time to digest TCU as an opponent, right? To look deeper into the Horn Frogs and what they bring to the table. And while Michigan is universally favored in this game, I'm curious as, as to whether or not your view of them in this matchup has changed or evolved in any way now that you've looked deeper into them, starting with you, Brian. Well, I mean, they got in a lot of close games. They had a lot of very strange finishes. They had that Drew Dilio power slide field goal to beat Baylor. And they've they've been good, but they haven't been dominant, you know? So Georgia's been dominant for most of this year. Michigan has been dominant. And TCU has has just kind of muddled along. But I mean, they have like a super sized version, not super sized, like a power mushroom version of Sean Clifford and Max Duggan, their quarterback. So 30 touchdowns this year, just four interceptions. And when it came down to uh, real crunch time against uh, TCU, he was running the ball every play. And Michigan's had some issues containing quarterbacks this year. And they're going to have to really keep an eye on that because Duggan is not just the guy who's going to scramble to run. He's going to scramble to throw down field much of the time. So just keeping him in the pocket and containing him is, is going to be important. Seth? Yeah, I mean, Sonny Dykes is more, uh, you know, more leech than he is his father. He is like, you know, he, he's a swashbuckler. He never played football and he's, he does the things that we always are annoyed that Michigan doesn't do, like just chuck the ball up to your receiver if you get one-on-one. Like They play a lot of backyard football. They're going to do a lot of option routes. They're really good at finding ways to get the ball to Quentin Johnson or at least let him make plays. I think Michigan, if Will Johnson continues playing the way he's been playing the last couple of weeks, uh, that is, that's, the, that's the equalizer. That's the kind of thing that TCU struggled with when you have a guy – who can just man up their best players? Um, now Duggan can sit back there and, and escape, and like Brian said, he can he's going to make plays. That guy is a he's a gamer, and that's the way they like to play. But Michigan's actually been pretty good because that's how their defense is designed, right? Like we're just going to slowly compress the pocket and get you in there, and that worked really well against Penn State. And then defensively, they're really built for the Big Twelve, so they run three safeties out there all the time. I try to find some tape, and Alex and I are still going back and forth trying to find some tape of them playing somebody who's willing to play two tight ends because they're out in the Big 12. And they, they get in these tight games uh, where they probably should be losing by more. They have a tiny little cornerback who, like, you know, if Michigan wants to toss the ball up to one of their big receivers, please. Like, you know, I, 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 they, I, I don't know how they're going to match up against tight ends because I haven't really seen them play against tight ends. They do have a good linebacker uh, in Johnny Hodges that I like, um, and that's that's all I've seen. They don't really get a lot of natural pressure, so I think that you know if JJ has moved along again, Michigan's kind of found the answer to this later in the season as JJ's come along and JJ's turned into a guy who can go and win you some games. Uh, I th- I think that we have I think we have the guys to beat them, especially Donovan, where's just healthy again. So there's there's my take. Yeah, you know, I thought it was going to that Michigan would probably have an easy time in this game. Uh, but then, I mean, part of that is just looking at the scores. I mean, they gave up 34 points to SMU, 31 to Kansas, 40 to Oklahoma State. They gave up 28 points to K State twice and lost one of those. And they gave up 28 to Baylor and won that one 29 28. So I thought, eh, you know, this is a team we should beat. But then I looked at at their the numbers that are meaningful to me, which is net yards per pass attempt, and they're damn good. I mean, especially on offense. And so the number, if you assume that the the competition has been reasonably flat between Michigan and and uh, TCU, I don't know if that's right or not. Um, I don't think they've played anyone as good as uh, Ohio State, and I doubt if they've played anyone as good as Penn State. But the, if you just look at that, um, Michigan's four and a half points better. Uh, 
which isn't as much as I thought I would see. And I think the line started at 10 and immediately came down or pretty quickly came down to seven or seven and a half. So on a sort of macro stat basis, um, I, I still like Michigan, but not quite as much as I thought I would. I would. And it seems that their quarterback and they have a wide receiver who might be just about as good as Marvin Harrison. Uh, this is named Quentin Johnson, something like that. And um, so they're formidable. Uh, I think they're a formidable team. This isn't isn't going to be a walkover by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I, I still have Michigan probably winning the game. You know, as you guys look at the, you know, at the big sort of playoff picture, a lot of, I, I get, you know, you wouldn't expect Ohio State folks to project anything but confidence. Though, how much of this, how much of this, uh, this, this newfound sort of confidence is more hope than, than you know, sort of actual reason to believe that they're going to fare better here in the postseason than they did in the Ohio State game. Seemingly, there's this belief down there in Columbus that, hey, with everything they saw in the Michigan game can be corrected uh, in the span of a few weeks, and that you heard from C.J. Stroud, hey, two games, no, he said one Saturday does not define my legacy. As, as if to say, <laughs> yeah, you know, he is going to go up <laughs> and completely rewrite history. Completely <laughs> rewrite history here in these next few games. What do you make of the Buckeyes? Here heading into the playoffs now against Georgia. I mean, they're still soft. They're going to lose. Georgia's going to punch their face at <laughs> the end. <laughs> that's it. I mean, they so got Keely Rango to, to man to man up on Marvin Harrison, and that's the end of the game. Ball game. You, you don't buy C.J. Stroud being being a guy that can be this this quarterback that in this in his final act as an Ohio State quarterback can elevate the team, put him on his back. And quarterback them to a championship. I mean, we saw what happened against Michigan. They put up 23 points and now they're playing power mushroom Michigan. Like, no way. He's soft. The team's soft and they're going to get their faces punched in. That's it. I, I'm, I'm a, a little different than that. I, I do think Georgia will win. Uh, I, I think the sort of Michigan uh, narrative that Ohio State is soft is a little bit over. They're 112th in power <laughs> success rate. Third and one is a passing down against Georgia. They are not uh, going to be able to drive the field. I, I think this is going to be a reasonably close game. I, I don't. I don't think that Georgia is just going to pound them into the. Yeah, field. I wanted to. I wanted to ask this, but uh, you know, a different version of this question specifically to you, Craig, because I know you follow Ed Fang a lot. And yeah. and Ed was saying after the Ohio State game, and if Michigan and Ohio State were to face off again, Ohio State should be favored, would be favored. And I'm like, what? What did we see? Well, but, wait, there, but wait, Sam. I mean, what he may be saying, and I haven't certainly talked to Ed about this, but what he may be saying is that they may be favored because that's the public perception. No. because No, all, all, no he's going off a of okay. success rate. Yeah, so okay. I had a Twitter thread about this because okay. I responded, or it was, it was in the game column. All right. So generally if you beat a team with a bunch of explosive plays that's fortunate you know because those are rare and if the other team is having a consistent diet of successful plays mm -hmm. then that is more likely to repeat in the future but that's an analysis that is generally true when two football teams are playing like football teams and and one of them is not on a meth bender <laughs> so if you didn't watch this game that's a take you could have yeah uh -huh. but if you did watch this game and you saw ohio state going zero all the time right. then you know that the success rate ohio state had on defense was artificial and their success rate on offense was artificial too because michigan because the success rate is like if you get into a third and two, you had a successful play, but a third and two is not a good down for Ohio State. <clears throat> yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying, and it's legit. The uh, I mean, if Ohio State had played uh, cover two against Michigan, uh, I think you could see Michigan just grinding out. They would have gotten twenty twenty one. That's what happened last yeah. year. What uh, they dude, did was they hold their goal. You know, you know the second the second touchdown. That the the post corner 
or the corner post, I mean, mm-hmm. from CJ, cover yeah. two. I mean, it, they they just bust in the secondary. Now that they put, maybe it would have been less if they played more more zone coverage. Than, they 40 man coverage snaps in that game made no sense for this team. That's just not what they showed all season long. And they tried to, again, they tried to mimic Illinois inexplicably knowing that if you go back and look at their tape, the mistake that I think we made early on in, in breaking down Ohio State was we only looked at Maryland and, and Penn State, the teams that had, that had had success, right? But if you go back and you look at the teams that they blew out, like Wisconsin, you would still see the same bus, but Graham Mertz couldn't take advantage of it, right? So these guys were busting all season long. And you come into a game against Michigan and then you emphasize the very thing that they're the worst at, horrible game planning. I didn't say they had bad players, but they don't have the personnel. They clearly don't have the coaching to do what Illinois did to Michigan, and we saw that exposed in that game. Well, I mean, you got Devin Weatherspoon playing for Illinois. He's a first-team All-American, and there's no All-Americans in the Ohio State secondary. And to go back to what I'm saying about Ohio State, if you go look at line yards and stuff, drill down stats for Georgia on defense, they're second in line yards allowed. They're number one in opportunity rate allowed. They're uh, number seven in power success rate allowed. So that run game is not going to do anything against Georgia. And you're going to put it all on CJ Stroud against that defense. I mean, I just don't see it happening. Like they're going to maybe hit a couple big plays, but when you get in third and two and it's a passing down every time, I mean, that's the recipe to kick a lot of field goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, unless he's mm-hmm. learned his lesson. But I, I just want to, no, we need to emphasize what happened in this game, right? Last year, they just got pushed around by Michigan. They knew that they couldn't do anything. They, they, they did it because they knew they were going to lose otherwise. They were just going to get shoved down six yards of carry. So what do they do? Is they, they pulled their goalie, right? And if you look at a hockey game, if your team's been pulling their goalie, they have possession all the time, their 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 advanced stats look great, right? They have more shots. They have, but you're every single time you bust, it's a goal. That's exactly what Ohio State did. They were in desperation mode because they knew if they play Michigan straight up, they were just going to get kicked around the building. So what do they do? They pulled their goalie. Yeah, and uh, if if that's right, and it may, may well be, then they're really going to get kicked around by Georgia. <laughs> I mean, that's Brian's point, I suspect. Like, yeah. you, you got Michigan's tight ends. They're pretty good. Uh, yeah. yeah. Georgia's tight ends? <laughs> <laughs> what are you, you going to do against those guys? I mean, I don't, I don't even want to. Like, yeah, yeah. And they, you know what? They might fare better playing a a more typical defense for them, a more typical sort of defense of having more typical defensive approach in this game. They'd be wise to, I still think, uh, I still think Georgia is heavily favored, but maybe they don't get beaten quite as badly as if they try, if they don't learn from what they did wrong against Michigan. It's, okay. You pull your goalie, but after you give up a couple, put your goalie back in the net, right? <laughs> and they, they, well, never, they never did that. I mean, at some point you, you got to, go for it because you're down a lot but right you know it's not uh it's going to be indoors so that's good for ohio <laughs> state right they don't have to deal with like it's too sunny out or yeah. hey listen hey buckeyes hey buckeyes I'm, I'm trying to give y'all some tips keely ringo who i think is a guy and i've been touting him a lot but as i went as i've gone back to look at the film i mean great athlete six two can can run I kind of compared his his ascent in this draft on this draft board to what I saw in Sauce Gardner last year. Upon closer inspection, difference is I really think Keely Ringo is tighter in the hips. Like if you just try to fade ball this dude, you're gonna have problems. Double move him, you know, force him to sink his hips, make him stop and go. Now you have a chance. So Buckeye, hey Buckeye, because I want to see this matchup. I want to see Ohio State, Michigan go at it again. Buckeyes, trying to help y'all out. Trying to help y'all out. Double move them. You might have a shot. I got a question so. for you, Sam. If Ohio State and Michigan meet again, and Ohio State were to win, say, by seven points in, on a neutral field, do they even have a, a, do they have a claim as to be national champions? Because they lost to the same team at home by 22 <laughs> points. So, so what is their national championship resume? That, that, that our loss is better than their loss? No, it isn't. 
Ohio State can't even win the national championship. They need to beat hey, TCU. I, they need TCU to beat Michigan. Otherwise, Ohio State, the highest they can finish is number two. Well, I like that theory, Seth, but I don't think it's going to work out that way in the minds of the public or the. I'm know, I'm probably. talking. I'm I'm going to talk it into existence because I think the uh, the AP still gets to is is the AP locked into the national championship or they or can they still kind of go off their own? Can they still go rogue like they did against USC one or did with USC one time? Yeah, I have yeah. no idea. Let's talk it into yeah. existence now. Yeah, it shall be interesting. I can't wait though. To to it, let's this long long term this or project out this year's Michigan Georgia match. We get that question a lot, and I've we've addressed it. We haven't delved too deeply into it because there's an opponent before that. But let's for the sake of our argument, guys, how would you see that matchup this year? How would you see the Michigan Georgia matchup this time around? Uh, going? Well, their defense is less generational. It's uh, still very good, of course, but. You know, you lose five first-round picks, uh, you're, you're going to feel it. And they have a guy who's probably going to go top three in the draft and Jalen Carter. We've talked about Ringo. They have dudes on that side of the ball. And then you have Bowers and Darnell Washington sort of fully realized Stetson Bennett's back. Um, you know, I think Michigan will be better able to cope because their defense is a couple notches down from where it was last year. And you have McCarthy as an equalizing factor. Mm -hmm. So we saw McCarthy come in late in that game and it clearly he wasn't ready. I think against Purdue, you're seeing that he's getting there. I don't want to equate the two defenses, but when you have his legs and in a national championship game, I think you're going to see a heavy dose of them that, evens up numbers in the box. It makes it harder for you to play your, your coverages. It's just, you know, the kind of thing where you can see one guy sort of make up for a talent deficit that is real. Um, and then the other thing is I think Michigan's offensive line is better this year. Um, and I think that last year they really had trouble trying to, to do anything against Georgia. I don't think it would be that lopsided. I think they'd be able to do some things on the ground. Not as easily as they've done it against anybody else on the schedule, but I think it would be considerably more competitive. Mm-hmm. What do you guys yeah. think? I, yeah. I tend to agree with that. I think um, Georgia will be favored in the game in the in the by the bookies and in the public's mind. Um, but I think Michigan is a better team than they were last year. Uh, I agree with Brian that uh, Michigan's offensive line is a bit better. Uh, I think while we don't have the dynamic pass rushing on the outside that we had last year, they they weren't really of much of a factor in last year's Georgia game. And in fact, I think overall this defense may be more suited uh, to sort of keep Georgia under some semblance of control. So while I think Georgia will be the favorite and deserve to be the favorite, I think this is a game uh, that Michigan, in Sam's word, has at least a puncher's chance in, uh, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no. We're going to lose this game. I don't, I don't feel that way. I feel that this is a game Michigan might win. Give us, I mean, give us a extra turnover, something weird happening, and I, I could see Michigan winning the game. Yeah, rough, rough transition uh, before we get to the break. Um, Big Ten West guys, uh, your coaching turnover when Luke Fickle at Wisconsin, Rule at Nebraska, and now Ryan Walters at Purdue. Uh, you got, and then you got Kate McNamara and Eric All at Iowa. Do you do you have more respect for the West given all the moves that we've seen made in the West here in the last month or so? Well, it's going to take some time for those coaching hires to, to to take root, but I mean, I think that's three for three, right? Like I think Rule is pretty much the best case scenario for uh, Nebraska. I think Fickle's the best case scenario for Wisconsin. I think Ryan Walters is a really smart hire. I mean, what he's done with that defense—he's what thirty-four or something, thirty-six. He'll be able to recruit, like you know, African American. I mean, that's that's a big big deal, uh, especially for a team that needs some sort of visibility. uh, Iowa, I don't really see it because it's still Brian Ferentz and all of their receivers transferred. Like l- I think literally all of their scholarship receivers are out. So you can 
put Eric all on that team and yeah, they'll have tight ends, but they had tight ends this year. Well, Kay said he's going to show they, they, this is, he's going to prove that I'm more than, I'm not a game manager. I'm more than a game manager. Well, he's going to have to be more than a game manager to move that <laughs> offense down the field. <laughs> did he, I, I mean, did anyone talking about their offensive line? Cause their offensive line has been terrible. And when IO was good, they had great offensive lines and they had a major problem at offensive line last year. And then Cade, the few times we got to see him this year was when the line was not good for some reason. Like it was, it was a very small sample. But I mean, he's he needs to see it ahead of time, and he needs to be able to execute. And you know, you take away his receivers who are not going to be uh, giving him the space that he likes to find, and now you're locking him into his tight end. Like I, I don't think I, I would not have recommended Iowa for Cade McNamara. I think that. Iowa is very happy to get him. I think Eric All gets them back to where they were as, a, as tight end university if he can play. I don't know how well his injury healed or how well his surgery went or whatever. But like, if they, the maximum they can get out of that is to be Iowa again, and we saw what Iowa was this year. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I think Kate is a step up probably from Petrus and the other dude they had playing. I don't think there's. Much question there. You would be a step I, up from Spencer Petrus, Craig. Yeah, well, I doubt that. <laughs> That's but, hard to be, but, you would. but yeah, but they Maybe are he's better. Maybe his inner Devin Gardner. Yeah, they are. They are better with uh, with Cade, and I I think Eric All's a fine player. I'm not sure he's a lot better or much different than Laporta. I think Laporta's gone, isn't he? And uh, so, yeah, I, I think they've improved with those transfers, but. Uh, I, overall, I'm not sure they're a significantly better team. I think that Illinois is perhaps going to become a, a really good team out in the West and, uh, and Purdue in the long term may, may, may improve too, but I don't see the bigger improvement will be in the West will be in 24 and 25 when they get UCLA and, uh, USC. I don't know how the yeah. big 10 is going to piece all that together, but. That seems well. Like a I, he, here's my thing. I, I actually would have recommended Iowa for. I think it's a a good spot for him. Now, mm-hmm. if you want to be more than a game manager, I wouldn't recommend Iowa because that's what they want the quarterback to be, right? I mean, right. Wisconsin is right get, there, man. Yeah, you don't get receivers, <laughs> right? You are taking downfield shots to re, to receivers. You're going to be heavy heavy play action to tight ends. You're going to run the football and play to your defense. That's what you, that's who you are if you're the Iowa quarterback. So I actually think that's a good situation. I mean, it's hypothetically a good situation, but that offense was so broken last year and that wasn't all on Spencer Petras, right? Like Spencer Petras is not a good quarterback, but they couldn't run the ball at all. They couldn't protect their wide receivers were terrible and now they're gone. So (laughs) like, like, I mean, I, if I was, Cade McNamara, I would have searched for a team that has one wide receiver you can throw the ball to. I mean, Aiden O'Connell's done at Purdue. I would have looked that up pretty heavy, but, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so here's what we'll do. We'll get to a break, people. When we come back on the other side, going to get the guys, get their takes on a a couple of more topics. Of course, Michigan basketball uh, coming off of, you know, the first game in the transition to to, to Dougie at the point guard spot, little Michigan hockey talk. And I promise I will get to some of your questions for the, you know, we haven't done this all year Been saying, I'm going to get some questions from the crowd. I'll get some questions from you to people to our guys here on the round table coming up as well on the Michigan insider sports talk, 1050 W TK, the ticket clear on the radio. All righty. So there are a couple that we can get to okay. here during the break. This one from D. Tough says, is Mike Morris gonna be healthy? I think he is. I think he is. I think that they it was an abundance of, of caution. He has a high ankle, high ankle, uh, and they held him out against Purdue because why, why you know, aggravate a high ankle against a team that you don't need Mike Morris to beat? So, yes, yeah. is, yeah. is, is Blake like? Done, done, or has he got some <laughs> shot of coming back? Because everyone that I talked to did not give that any serious thought. Now, here's what you can't say you cannot say what, like, I can't even tell you that Blake won't decide to come back next year. 
Like that that decision hasn't been made yet. So what? no, that <laughs> I'm just no. That, he hasn't made my that. NIL wallet. Where it has <laughs> no. So so I understand when I oh, mention yeah. that. I'm not mentioning that to give you hope. Too late. To, to suggest <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that to suggest that he's coming back. I'm not saying that, you know, to to sort of hint that they're advising him to do that. I, I think, you know, to, to me, you if you're looking at his best interest, I think you're advising him to go. Right. I think I think that would be the more the most prudent thing for him to do. And I think that's the likeliest scenario. But the truth of the matter is he hasn't made that decision yet. At least he hasn't conveyed that decision to Michigan. Well, I've seen him gonna go. I've so seen him I, I, I only, yeah, I've only offered that to say, you don't know what he's going to try, uh, but the likelihood of it, everyone I talk to kind of like, no, no, no. I, mean, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's even in the mix for him uh, to come back. Now, will he try it? Who's to say that he won't try it? So I just looked this up, a third round NFL draft pick, which is where I've seen Corum projected makes about 850 K. We can do that as, as a, as a university, as a fan base, <laughs> we can, <laughs> we can well, do that. You take a, you take another year of off the tread uh, as a pro. And what if, what if his stock, what if his stock declines? Uh, you, already, well, you already tried to go on a hurt leg, right? You're you're adding more hits, more carries. Who's to say that you have a third round grade next year? So do well, you lose more than you gain? Does he lose you know, his grade though? Yeah. Who's to say he's got a third round grade this year? I mean, aside from that, I mean, post injury, because as I understand it, it's a knee injury, and uh, you know, uh, you know, if I'm advising uh, Blake, uh, you know, I tell him, hey make your decision as late as you can um, find out, you know, what your knee looks like, go to, you know, whatever camp or evaluation process you need to go through and figure out what, what the NFL is saying. I'm not telling him to come back. If he's got a third round grade uh, running backs, back on shelf, in about 30 seconds. shelf life on running backs is, you know, not great in, in, in the NFL. So mm -hmm. uh, I would tell him go. I would too. I would too. I mean, selfishly, love. Oh, I'd love to see him. I mean, he's he's probably the best running back in my lifetime, and as it's been proven, that's a long lifetime. And at Michigan, and and so uh, well, I don't really know good. who's better. Who's who is better? I go. I go. T. Wheat. No, I definitely go. T. Wheat. I go before he was injured. I go. T. Wheat. I go. No. Okay, we got to get, get back. All right. No, I, I don't agree with that. Jesus of Nazareth, he was in your lifetime, right? Uh, yeah, pretty cool. Now, fellas, uh, I know you guys had a chance to react last week to the news that Jalen Llewellyn done for the season. I got a couple of questions now in the aftermath of that. Number one, how is your seasonal outlook affected by the transition to Dougie, who had, was really, really good in the debut? But you obviously can't say he's going to be what he was against Minnesota every night. So what's your outlook for Michigan now, given him being a lead guard and what you see their point guard rotation being? Start with you, Brian. Well, I don't think it really makes that much of an impact just in terms of level of play. Like Jalen Llewellyn is a better player than he's shown so far at, at Michigan, but his O rating this year is 91, which is horrible. Um, and if McDaniel's going to hit a reasonable number of threes, if he can tone down the turnovers, then I don't think you really lose a whole lot um, from Llewellyn's level of play this year. He's probably going to get better. Uh, McDaniel, much younger, should get better faster. Uh, and then you're really just hoping that one of Joey Baker or Jace Howard or um, Isaiah Barnes is able to step up and be a backup at the two, just give give you some depth. And I, you know, I think they have the ability to do that, particularly uh, Barnes and maybe even Jace can be just three and D guys who can play the two and, and just play off ball and it'll be fine. I think Seth. Yeah. I mean, our kind of hope was that they could turn Kobe Bufkin into a point guard because, you know, you, you need more than one. Doug's can't just be out there a hundred percent of the time as a true freshman. Like it's, it, it 
Minnesota's not a good basketball team. No, they're not. And, no, they're not. And you're gonna go up against UNC soon, and you're gonna see what you really got. Um, and you know, Llewellyn wasn't playing well so far. His you know his old rating wasn't great, but you know we got that from Devontae Jones last year too. We got that from Mike Smith when he first came in as well. The transfer point guards tended to get better. Now, true freshman point guards should get better as well. But I think that you know Dougie right now he's at a 94-0 rating, and that's what. That's hitting forty three percent of his threes. Um, you know, if he can convert at the rim better, that's been a problem for him so far this year. If he can cut down on the turnovers, that's a lot of ifs for a true freshman who's not that big, right? Yeah. So yeah, he's got to get better in the mid range. I don't know if you yeah. do that, if you can do that in season. But I, I guess I've been encouraged, and I wonder what you think about this, Craig. One thing I've been encouraged about more broadly: last four games, they shot the basketball at a better clip. From, from from uh, distance, which is in keeping with what Phil was saying before the season that they're going to be a better shooting team. And he mentioned specifically Doug, who isn't noted as a shooter, but he said, "Hey, man, the guy's been shooting it really, really well in practice. We hadn't really seen it in games. Of course, we saw it against Minnesota." Yeah, I mean, Phil said that, and I talked to uh, Doug extensively at, at media day, and I asked him particularly about his shooting and and. He said, yeah, you know, I've been shooting it really well. I've been shooting the ball really well. And I didn't think he was giving me a story uh, at all. And and so the last three games in particular, Michigan is uh, 26 of 57 from three. And that's pretty good. I mean, it's really good. The problem has been uh, uh, opposition has been 19 of 38. So they've been 50% uh, against us from three. But uh, I agree with uh, Seth's point about Jalen is that uh, the last couple of years, Devontae got better, Mike, Mike Smith got better, and as the year went along early in the year, they didn't look really good, uh, but they did by the end of the year, and I think Jalen might have been in the same, in the same spot, uh, but now we don't have that. The biggest concern for me is injury, mm-hmm. I mean, or foul problems. If, mm-hmm. you, get, if you get Kobe or uh, Doug in foul trouble, or one of them gets hurt and misses a couple of games, you're fried. Mm-hmm. You've got nobody to play to play at the point. Now, I, Kobe has told me that he can play the point. Now, again, I didn't think it was Hokum. Uh, I, I, and I, you saw a little bit against Minnesota. So that's correct that Minnesota is the worst team we'll play for the rest of the year. Well, maybe Lipscomb, but they're about the same as Lipscomb. Uh, Lipscomb actually lost by a point to Notre Dame at Notre Dame. They may be a better team than Minnesota. Minnesota is awful, and uh, and they're by far the worst team in the Big Ten. And uh, so that wasn't much of a test. But I think in the in the North Carolina game and the uh, Virginia game, you saw Michigan getting better. Those were two games Michigan could have won. Virginia, in particular, they lost that game on the technical foul to uh, Hunter on that ridiculous play, and that pretty much cost them the game. The Carolina, or excuse me, the uh, Kentucky game uh, in London was a game that Michigan had a legit shot at winning, except uh, Kentucky shot 60% from three. Uh, I like Doug a lot. I I love Kobe. I mean, you and I talked about this all last year, Sam. We we kept saying we think this guy is going to be a really good player, and I still think he's going to be a really good player. And, and you're seeing some of that. And, and, I, and I love Doug's game. Uh, I think it's going to have to be a little more restrained. He loves to reach in and try and steal the ball. He's going to have to do a little bit less of that. He's going to have to restrain his defensive game to make sure he stays on the court. Because at this point, they pretty much have to have him. Pretty much have to have him and Kobe on the court. I, I have limited belief that you can play uh, Joey Baker or almost anyone else on this team at the two, with the possible exception of uh, Yo-Yo, uh, who. But at this point, he's barely played. Yo-Yo, I've seen play in that position in the in in Europe, uh, and he has he can handle the ball. He can play the two, but I just I'm not, just not sure if he's re- actually ready to play. One last thought is that they're not a believer in these position designations. Jawan and Martelli say, hey, we want a one and we want a five, and then we want three other guys. You know, that's it. And we don't look at 
you know, and, and, and so for them, they may feel like, uh, in, in this context, Brian might be right. We don't care about two, three, four. Those aren't things that really have meaning to us. Uh-huh. We care about three other guys that fit around our point guard and our center. Gotcha. All right. I need, uh, before we get to the questions from the people, want to get a little hockey in Brian, uh, kind of, a a midway point assessment of this team give you the same outlook question for Michigan hockey that I just gave you for a Michigan basketball, given how they've started. And they had a little, little uh, illness adversity there. Uh, I believe it was for the Minnesota game. How do you see this season going for, for Michigan hockey? Well, I mean, they're, they're in a pretty decent position. They're 10th in pairwise. They've played a lot of very difficult teams. They've uh, had some, questionable goaltending which i think is going to resolve itself and you know they got absolutely skunked by penn state that one game and then they came back and they won the next one and that minnesota series i mean they just never really had a chance in that for reasons that were outside their control and if you just if you disregard that you know 12 5 and 1 that's pretty good they haven't had frank nazar who's a first round pick high first round pick all year they missed adam fantilli for uh, I think four, five games. So they've been a little shorthanded and they've come through pretty well. And the thing about Michigan is they're the youngest team in the country. So they should get better over the second half of the season. That's something we've seen, um, you know, pretty consistently for Michigan is that once they kind of turn the post here, they get significantly better. And for this team, it was always integrate all the new guys make the tournament comfortable. You don't have to be the number one overall seed this year. You just need to, to get in, and then hopefully you're able to flamethrower some dudes uh, with with your talent that's gotten a little bit more experienced. And from all reports, everybody loves Nerado, and, and things are going pretty well inside the program. So, uh, you know, I think it's a, success, a successful first half of the season. And then their recruiting has really picked up. So... With all the uncertainty around Mel Pearson, they had a, a period where they weren't really being able to bring anyone in. He, even though Narado still has an interim tag, they've they've gotten, I think, four commits from guys who you could reasonably claim would be five stars in another sport. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that's a big indicator that I think this is going to work out long term. Gotcha. Let's get to some questions. Better, we should have mentioned. Like the yeah, the Big Ten's gotten a lot better. Yeah, yeah, Big Ten's pretty good this year. So here's another one for D Tuck guys. D Tuck for folks who are watching and getting questions from the uh, folks watching on YouTube and Facebook. He asks, "Is Duggan an accurate thrower? Can he hit soft spots in the zone like O'Connell?" Um, like so, so, so the thing with O'Connell is that uh, Michigan was busting pretty significantly in a lot of those throws. So it's not exactly is Duggan going to be able to do that? I think it's whether Michigan is able to do what they were doing against Ohio state, which was drop seven and really confuse a guy. He's a good quarterback. You know, he's much more mobile than Aiden O'Connell, but I think the arm talent is about on par. Yeah. yeah. Different offense. too. Different, different yeah. very different quarterback. Than I mean, O'Connell. like the exact opposite type of quarterback. Yeah. They are super explosive. They have, I think 13, 50 yard passes this year, which is, close to tops in the country and that's not what Purdue does. So, you know, it's going to be more about, I think, defending TC over the top, preventing them from getting big chunk plays. And if they're able to hit a couple 10, 12 yarders to move the ball a little bit, I mean, you'll live with that. Uh, Here's one from Sean C says, will Donovan be without the cast? (laughs) I can't imagine that he, he he needs off season. He's going to get, I mean, we heard his dad, his dad on, he talked about needing surgery in the off season. I can't imagine you need surgery in the off season that you're going to put a, go into a game without a cast. I think well, is it, it, is it a thing where he might be able to wear a smaller cast and be more active in the, the passing tell. game? You know, I don't know. I don't know about a smaller uh, cast. Um, I was surprised that they threw it to him as much as they did with the <laughs> cast, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that that's a call. I think you gotta try to protect it, try to protect it at the expense of him as a as a passing weapon because you you need him on the field. Yeah, you do. Um, so I'm I'm erring on the side of caution. That's just me. I'm no doctor. 
right? But I'm erring on the side of caution. I'm casting that thing up and trying to save him and get him as much action as we possibly can running the rock. So I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I mean, the drop-off from Donovan Edwards to his backups is a lot severe. <laughs> yeah, you want to, and you want to protect him as much as you can. I mean, he has a career in the uh, NFL. I mean, because not just because he's a fine runner and, but also because he can really catch the ball and that's a premium, a premium in the NFL to have a running back who can catch. So you need to do whatever you need, you need to do to protect him. And I don't care what the game is, national championship game, whatever he he needs to protect his future. And, and to the extent the cast does that, then unfortunately that's the way to beat Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Michigan went from being an A at the at running back position to playing, to having one guy who's got to play one hand, and it's like, it's such a killer, man. Like, I mean, it's the one offensive position. Like, okay, I mean, quarterback, it's always great to have a five-star, but you see how it's just, you know, it's going to be, it's always difficult to recruit five-star quarterbacks, and when you, uh, when you are throwing it 50 times a game, it becomes a little more difficult, but Running backs, oh my God! I mean, five star running backs should be beating down the door. <laughs> Did you mean? And that's essentially what you have. I mean, you have two guys in Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards that you beat Ohio State for. That's a position where you know you get your developmental guys, but you better go get your your five stars too. Well, I mean, Blake wasn't a five star, and Michigan's track record with five stars is. Pretty uh, hideous. He was he was pretty highly regarded, and I know he was one he was one twenty nine on uh, on two four seven. Yeah, right, so so, top two four seven guy, and you and you beat Ohio State for him. Yeah, that decorum, decorum, yeah. yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, and uh, and Edwards was in the top fifty for most everyone. So yeah. The, so yeah, those guys were highly. You know, they're two of the three most highly regarded guys from a recruiting point of view on our offense. So, uh, and as someone pointed out, the five stars here haven't worked out so great, Brian. Well, Charbonnet's fine. (laughs) Well, Charbonnet's yeah, but Green. Listen, listen to what we said, but but that was that was a a price. Jay Harbaugh recruited the hell out of the running back position. Zach Charbonnet's a baller. Hassan Haskins, who was a developmental guy, a baller. Blake Corum's a baller. Donovan Edwards, a baller. Man, Jay Harbaugh gets it done. Yeah, flat out gets it done. And so no, no one complains about I've never heard a single fan at this point say a word complaining about Jay Harbaugh. To the contrary, they say we're blessed to have the dude. I keep so. wondering how some some Mac team hasn't had him on, on their list. Jay Harbaugh is what you want as a co- as a head coach, as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, uh, what do you guys think of this contention from Antoine Johnson? Donovan is not an every down back and he's injury prone. What do you think of that? Well, he hasn't been injury prone so far in his career. He like there's injury prone where like you pull your hamstring at the drop of a hat and then there's like I broke my hand. That's not injury prone. Um so I I don't necessarily buy that. As an every down back, yeah, he can be an every down back. He's going to be an every down back next year. Uh, but I think the way he's an every down back is different. I agree. Like, I think he's an every down back in the NFL. Is Alvin Kamara an every down back? Well, yeah, but he so that's is for it, me. Exactly. So, you know, you're going to, you're, when he's the starter next year, he's going to be on the field, but he's not going to be in the backfield, what, 25, 40% of the time? Because that's just a huge stress on a defense. So I think you're going to see Michigan throw the ball more just because it makes sense when Donovan Edwards is your right. top running back. Yeah, I think your point is a agree. is a very good one. Usage will be different. You won't see. I'd be shocked if you see him in a game where he gets thirty carries, like we saw Blake. I know part of it was the absence of Donovan, uh, but even if CJ Stokes emerges, right? I, I just you know I, I can't see a scenario where uh, you know you you maybe you're down to CJ Stokes and he's out, and you're giving it to Donovan thirty times in the game. I think some of those are throws, and I think ideally for him, even with Alvin Kamara. I mean, the day and age of having a bell cow back, I mean, that's an archaic approach to the running back position, especially when you run it as much as Michigan. You need another guy, right? Which is why I think they're continuing to chase a guy in the recruiting class and why I think they're actively 
seeking out a running back in in the portal. You you need to to split some of those some of that carry load, uh, and maybe it's Stokes, maybe it's someone from the portal. You know, maybe they land someone else in the in the recruiting class. We'll see. Yeah, well, I'm not writing off Khalil Mullings. Like, hey, he, um, yeah, it, it seems it seems like Michigan remains a believer in uh, Benjamin Hall. Isn't that his name? I mean, uh, yeah, it's weird. They these were rankings d- kind of fallen down recently. Yeah. He hasn't played. He hasn't yeah. played. Yeah. He isn't playing. Yeah, I don't think. Well, they they may believe in him, but do they believe in him to be a guy who comes in and runs the ball as a freshman? I would they, be they'll they'll play a freshman running back. I mean, the guy is and when i looked at his tape i thought this guy is a is a brute i mean he you know he's knocking people around then that was his last year this year hey, he's not playing so yeah. i don't know all right folks that'll do it for this edition of the mgo blog roundtable we actually are on next week so i don't have to you know part ways just yet I can say, fellas, we will get back into an array of things. I have more. I promise I'll get more of your questions. There's a ton of questions for you guys. I apologize for saving only like seven minutes for it. I'll do more next week. I promise. All right, folks. Thanks for watching another edition of the MGO Blog Roundtable and listening to another edition of the Michigan Insider. Back tomorrow here on Sports Talk 1050 WTK, the ticket, the official voice of University of Michigan Sports, Ann Arbor Accumulus Station.